Hello, and welcome to the Lasting Impact Wellness Podcast, where together we explore ways to help you optimize your health and achieve sustainable well being. No one deserves to live an unhealthy life because they are overtasked, overstimulated, and overwhelmed. I'm your co host, Dr. Laura Hayes, and we'll be joined by Dr. Parker Hayes as we explore new perspectives and strategies rooted in self awareness, deep connections, and science based practices designed to create lasting impact for you and those around you. Please keep in mind this podcast is for the purpose of education, introspection, and community connection and should not be mistaken for medical advice. Be sure to subscribe and share with others. Let's be well together. Hello and welcome to Lasting Impact Wellness, the podcast that helps you optimize your health and well-being through science-based practices, practical knowledge, and honest discussions. I'm your host today, Dr. Laura Hayes. Thanks for being here. Today, we're talking about the largest organ in the human body, our skin. Our skin serves as a protective barrier against external threats, it regulates our body temperature, and it plays a crucial role in sensory perception. But of course, it also contributes to our outer appearance. And as we journey through life and we become more mature, our skin undergoes a natural aging process that's influenced by all kinds of intrinsic and extrinsic factors. Today, we're talking with Dr. Elizabeth Seidler. Elizabeth is a board-certified dermatologist and currently chief of dermatology for Kaiser Permanente in Georgia. After an undergraduate education at the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Seidler received her MD and MPH from Tufts University School of Medicine. She was also a clinical research scholar through Harvard Medical School and then completed her dermatology residency through Emory University School of Medicine. Elizabeth, I have truly learned so much about skin health and received so much advice from you over the years, and I'm thrilled to be talking with you today. I'm really looking forward to learning from you and hearing your perspective on both the mechanisms and physiology of skin aging and also exploring the impact of environmental and lifestyle factors on our skin's overall health and appearance. So again, I'm so glad that you could be here. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell our listeners a little bit more about your background, if you will, just what brought you to medicine in general, and then what was it that drew you to dermatology specifically? Sure. Growing up, I think I had always wanted to be a doctor for as long as I could remember. I loved science and I loved people and it seemed like a great fit. So I plowed ahead, was a biology major in college, did all the pre-med requirements and went to medical school. And it wasn't until medical school that I really discovered that I wanted to be a dermatologist. I had some interest in it. So I did research with a mentor in medical school looking at specifically quality of life in psoriasis patients. And it was through that research that I realized that while skin conditions might not always be life-threatening, they can be life-altering and have a great impact on someone's quality of life. And so that was really what drew me to the field of dermatology. That's great. And that makes me think about what we do at Lasting Impact, which is think about the health and well-being of the whole person. And certainly as we get older, our skin health plays a bigger role, I think, in a lot of our lives. You, as I know personally, have had amazing skin care and skin health for years and years. So it makes sense that you're a dermatologist. But I know I'm probably not the only one who could be listening to this right now who 
can recall lying outside basking in the sun covered in baby oil in the early to mid-90s trying to work on your tan slash sunburn that would later turn into a tan and countless people, myself included, who have been in a tanning bed in the past to get a tan for prom or that formal in college or something. And But as we get older, we learn from those mistakes and it becomes a little bit more obvious that our skin really is important to our overall health and our well-being. That would lead me to my first question for you. In your opinion, this is your specialty, you're the skin expert, but what does our skin health have to do with our overall health and our well-being? How would you describe that if somebody said to you, why do I need to care about my skin? Why is this even important to my health? Yeah, that's a great question because I think, like you were saying, a lot of us maybe haven't thought about it or maybe we're doing things to actually damage our skin over the years and then suddenly we start thinking about it. As the skin is the largest organ in our body, and maintaining healthy skin is important as it acts as a barrier to the outside world. Not only is it a physical barrier, but it also has a wide network of immune cells and plays a role in complex immunologic functions that keep us healthy. Maintaining healthy skin really is important for maintaining our overall health. And as mentioned before, it can be quite impactful on our quality of life. And in fact, many studies now in the dermatologic literature actually use a, something called a DLQI, which is Dermatology Life Quality Index, as an outcome measure, not only in that study to look for outcomes related to the skin condition itself, but also to the impact on quality of life. Wow, that's interesting. So it's really become a larger recognized component, it sounds, to our overall health. If we start thinking about how our skin changes as we get older, I think anyone over the age of 30 even probably has noticed some changes in their skin. And as we just alluded to, some of that is probably unintentionally harming ourselves and our skin over the years. And as we get older, we realize, wow, maybe those weren't the best practices and we start to recognize some skin damage even. But talk to me a little bit about the aging process. How does our skin age? What are some factors that play a role in our skin's health as we get older and more mature in life? And to your point, there are extrinsic factors that will play into kind of premature aging, but there's also just the normal aging process that will happen regardless of what we're doing, which includes that our skin tends to thin over time. We lose the ability to make fatty cells under the surface of the skin. So that leads to a little bit of a loss of the smooth, youthful appearance that the fatty cells provide. Our skin also loses strength and elasticity over time. So it doesn't have that snapback component that it had when it was younger. And our skin also produces less oil, so it becomes more prone to being dry and itchy. Okay, so that's the intrinsic factors then, cellular changes that are happening. And things start to get a little looser and saggier over time instead of having that uh, strong and tight skin that we're used to when we're younger. While we're on the topic, I'm just thinking of things like collagen and elastin, the things that make your skin, correct me if I'm wrong, the things that kind of make your skin have that more tight appearance, if you will. Do those things just decline over time as we age or are there certain things that we're doing to our bodies or are there other extrinsic or intrinsic factors that affect those particular components of it? Elasticity and collagen naturally decrease over time, but 
for example, sun exposure and things we're doing to our skin will quicken that process. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So you just mentioned it, sun exposure. That's the big elephant in the room. You and I have been to pool sides and beach sides together, and you are very good about your big hat and your sunscreen, and you have seen me, uh, I'm sure, without my hat at times. Again, in my younger years, I have learned a lot since then. But the sun is probably the biggest external factor that affects our skin from a health and wellness standpoint, how healthy our skin is and void of disease, but also can make the most impact on our skin when it comes to the aging process or speeding that up as well. And I think it's important to add before we really dive into sun exposure that we're not saying that the sun is all bad. A lot of people really enjoy being outside and there are clear benefits from being outdoors and getting some sun exposure. It's great for our mental and emotional health, but it also helps us optimize our vitamin D levels, which are important for a variety of biological pathways in our bodies, including bone health particularly as we age. So there are some clear benefits to it. But we all know that UV radiation is a known carcinogen and it does contribute to skin aging and changes in our skin as we get older. So as we discuss sun exposure coming up, I just want to point out that, and you and I have talked about this on the side, but the key is to balance it out so that you can be safe when you're outside. Still get the benefits of the sun increase your vitamin D production, enjoy being outdoors, but mitigate the harmful effects of the sun. And maybe that means doing your outdoor activities at certain hours of the day or trying to be in the shade more or shading at least certain parts of your body and wearing sunscreen and things like that. So we'll talk through some of those things. And just one last thing I'll say on sun before we start getting into it a little more is that I think all body parts are pretty much more or less equal when it comes to sun exposure and vitamin D production, but they're not all equal when it comes to sensitivity to sunburn or premature aging or cosmesis. Just something to think about when you're considering exposing your arms or legs, for example, to the sun versus your face when we're talking specifically about aging or cosmesis and things like that. So let's talk a bit about that. It's a big topic, but let's just start with sun exposure and how that affects our aging process or speeds it up. Give me the lowdown on that and what what people really need to be concerned about. Yeah, that's right. So in terms of aging skin, cumulative sun exposure is the largest factor that contributes to premature aging. UV radiation specifically contributes to the development of wrinkles, dark spots, and thinning of the skin. It causes more rapid uh, loss of elasticity by damaging the dermal elastic fibers so the skin doesn't have that kind of snapback quality that it once did, which we talked about earlier. And so getting into UV radiation more specifically, since that is really what the sun exposure is composed of, there are three types of UV radiation. UVA, which has the longest wavelength, UVB, which is mid-range, and UVC, which is the shortest wavelength. Now, UVC radiation is predominantly absorbed by the ozone, so it's really the UVA and the UVB that is coming into contact with our skin on a daily basis. Both UVA and UVB cause damage, DNA damage, and contribute to skin cancer development. UVB is what causes sunburn. 
Whereas UVA is what contributes more so to the premature aging, like wrinkles and sunspots, although UVB can contribute as well to aging. Okay. So to the average person, however, both of these types of UV rays are affecting us every time we walk outside and we're exposed to sun. Is that a fair statement? That's Yes, that's right. And while the UVB is more contributing to sunburns and UVA to skin aging, UVB will also contribute to skin aging. And both of them puts you at higher risk for skin cancer development. Okay. So while we're on that topic, then talk to me a little bit about sunscreen and things that we can do. Do all sunscreens protect you from both UVA and UVB? Or are they in separate products? Do certain products tend to have better coverage for one versus the other? And I know that may be kind of a simple question for you, but I actually even find it a little complex. What should we be looking for? Is this Why do we care that there are more than one type of UV ray? So great question. The sunscreen world is complicated. There's lots of different products, lots of different numbers to look at. Now there's more than just the numbers on there, like broad spectrum, water resistant. So what do these things all mean? It is important to protect against UVB and UVA rays in terms of protecting your skin from DNA damage and skin cancers. So this is what you want to look for on your bottle, essentially. SPF stands for sun protection factor and is a measure of how well the sunscreen will protect against burning. And as mentioned before, burning is caused predominantly by UVB. In other words, the SPF is a measure of UVB protection. Hmm. Okay. With SPF and UVB protection, you want to choose something that's 30 or higher. Now, you may see numbers up to 100, a huge range of SPF numbers. After SPF 50, there's really only an incremental increase in protection. So anything between, you know, 30 to 50 is going to be good and definitely above 30. But maybe no real significant additional benefit if you're going with the SPF 100 or or something. Okay. So 30 to 50 is ideal. Okay. Exactly. The second thing you want to look for on the bottle is the word broad spectrum. That indicates that there's UVA protection in addition to the UVB protection. Like we mentioned before, and with related to our topic about aging, the UVA is going to be significantly linked with premature aging of the skin. So you definitely want to make sure you have broad spectrum on a sunscreen as well. Okay, that's interesting. And then the third thing to look for is water resistance. Now, any sunscreen ought to be reapplied every two hours in order for it to be as effective as it was when you first applied it. But if you're swimming or sweating a lot, exercising, then you'll want to see for how long it's water resistant. And it'll either have 40 minutes or 80 minutes. Whatever it says on the bottle, that is how frequently you would reapply if you're in water or sweating. Okay. And then what about, you hear about these tinted sunscreens. Is that really just for appearance, cosmetic purposes, or is there some additional benefit for a tinted sunscreen as well? So it's both. For some sunscreens that are more physical blockers that have the zinc oxide and titanium dioxide that can almost leave a whitish film on the skin, that tint is more cosmetically appealing because it can get rid of that white cast that it leaves on the skin. Additionally, however, 
tinted sunscreens have something called iron oxide, which is different than zinc oxide. And iron oxide protects against visible light. So that's one wavelength of light that we haven't touched on yet. But visible light is what we see, blue light, red light, things like that. And there are more and more data that suggest that visible light is really responsible for hyperpigmentation and conditions with hyperpigmentation like melasma, um, especially in, in people with darker skin tones. So I do recommend using a tinted moisturizer with sunscreen in the morning, which can be helpful for UVB, UVA, and visible light coverage. Okay, great. So I'm going to summarize that then for our listeners, and I want you to stop me if I misspeak or I'm not summarizing it correctly. So it sounds like when you're standing there in the never-ending aisle of sunscreen skincare products to protect yourself when you're going to the beach or heading outside, there are a few things to keep in mind to look for. So the first is the SPF, that sun protection factor, which, as you mentioned, shooting for at least 30 and then upwards to 50, anything above that, some tiny incremental benefit, but probably overall not super beneficial. So aiming for SPF between 30 and 50 would be ideal. Secondly, looking for broad spectrum types of sunscreen, looking for that particular verbiage on the bottle. And then that implies that not only are you getting the UVB protection, but you're also getting UVA protection. So getting the maximum benefit from that sunscreen product to protect from both of those wavelengths of light. Then third thing to consider is that water resistance, like you mentioned, and then really paying attention as to how long of a time frame you have before the recommendation will be to reapply and then actually paying attention to that and abiding by that. So considering that whether it's 40 minutes or 80 minutes at that time frame, we should be reapplying to, again, obtain maximum benefit from the product. And then the last thing we talked about would be a tinted sunscreen, which contains additional ingredients that can help protect against those visible lights. You mentioned blue light, red light, the lights that we see, and that can be beneficial for people who have hyperpigmentation, things like melasma, as an additional kind of bonus thing to look for on a sunscreen product. Did I get that all summarized pretty well? That's exactly right. Okay, perfect. So let me ask you, when it comes to sun damage on your skin, I guess, is sun damage a horse has already left the barn kind of thing? Or is it something that you can still work on and even potentially reverse as you get older? Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because I bet there are some listeners who, similar to myself, did some things that they regret when they were younger as far as their skin health goes and their sun exposure. But now as we get older, we learn our lesson. And I can say just in my own experience, now I really focus on sunscreen, for example. But is that reversing any of the damage that I've done or is it simply preventing me from having additional insults to my skin as I get older? That's a great question. And the bottom line is it's never too late to adopt a healthy lifestyle or add in an additional healthy habit to your healthy lifestyle. And sun protection is one of those things. One thing I'll say, too, is in addition to sunscreen, which we talked about, sun protection is broader than just sunscreen. Sunscreen is one component to sun protection. And we can talk about a few other ways to protect your skin as well. 
So once you've adopted that, to your point, is this just preventing future damage or will we be able to reverse some of the things we've done? And there are studies that show that just simply using sunscreen every day can help to reduce some of the sun damage. Then there are even sometimes additional things, additional treatments or medications or procedures that people might do to try to reverse some things as well. But even just using sun protection on a routine basis can also help to reduce sun damage from before. Okay. That makes sense. So talk to me a little bit about some other options for sun protection. I'm assuming it's wear a hat and things like that. Exactly. So it's more like physical barriers, including wearing clothing, long sleeve clothing, protective clothing, a wide brimmed hat, sunglasses, because we also know that sun and UV rays can damage our eyes. Additionally, seeking shade, not being in direct sunlight, being in a shaded area or carrying an umbrella with you to bring some shade. And then avoiding sun at its peak, which would be between 10 and 2 p.m. So that's a great summary on just sort of sun protection overall. Before we leave the topic of sunscreen, because there are other things I want to talk to you about while I have you here on the podcast. But one thing I've actually heard lately, and I don't know if there's any truth behind this, so I would love your advice, is I've heard that if you have sunscreen that's more than a year old, you should be tossing that. And I can tell you as a mom to two little kids, I often buy sunscreen. I misplace it. I have it in this bag or this closet. And I certainly don't get through all of those bottles each season. And I will find them again the next summer. Am I supposed to be throwing those out? They're pretty expensive. So I would hope to not have to do that. But is there any data behind that? Is there science behind an expiration date or how long these various products may be good for? So sunscreen bottles are required by the FDA to have an expiration date on them unless they have been shown to be stable for at least three years. So part of what you may have heard has to do with the stability of sunscreen and is it going to still be effective? But in other words, if it has an expiration date on it, go by that. And if there's not an expiration, you should consider it expired three years after purchase. Now, that being said, if your sunscreen bottle is over a year old, you may not actually be applying enough. Most adults need about one ounce to cover their whole body, and one ounce of sunscreen is enough sunscreen to fill a shot glass. Many sunscreen bottles are about three ounces or six ounces of sunscreen. So theoretically, if you're applying an adequate amount to your whole body, that would be three or six full body applications. And remember, you want to reapply every two hours. So in other words, if you were at the beach for six hours in a day, you would have gone through an entire three-ounce bottle of sunscreen in that day alone. Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting, I like how you put that. It really puts it into perspective. And I'm probably not applying my sunscreen enough or often enough. I will be much more mindful of that now since you just summarized it beautifully in that way. Okay, so that was a lot about sunscreen, but important for sure. One thing that we talk about at Lasting Impact is how our lifestyle choices and our habits can improve or impact our overall health and well-being. So we talked a little bit about extrinsic factors when we talk about sun exposure, but I also think about things like smoking, uh, the other toxins that we put into our bodies, our nutrition, our dietary habits. 
Is there a strong relationship between those other things? Does alcohol affect our skin health? Do the nutrients that we put in, how, how do those things play a role in our skin health, particularly throughout our lives, but maybe more importantly as we age? Yeah, so all of those things that you think of in terms of being healthy for your internal self is going to be healthy for your skin. So things like eating a healthy, balanced diet, maintaining a healthy BMI, exercising, avoiding smoking, excessive alcohol, those are all things that will contribute to overall skin health. In terms of aging, there is that thing we've been talking about, the sun. So sun really is going to be the number one thing that contributes to aging specifically. All of these other things that factor into healthy lifestyle and skin health are important for skin health and can contribute to skin conditions. So there's a lot of skin conditions that may be worsened by certain foods or alcohol, smoking, things like that. And for aging specifically, focusing on the sun protection in addition to all the other healthy lifestyle things are important for skin aging. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking even with my physician hat on for a moment of patients who suffer from things you mentioned in your intro, psoriasis and other long-term chronic disease processes that involve the skin. Again, I'm not a dermatologist, but I have had patients tell me that they follow certain nutrients in their diet in order to help mitigate some of the effects of, of those disease processes on their skin. And they make some dietary changes and then they see an improvement and things. But that could be in another five podcast episodes. So I think the summary statement of essentially thinking about healthy lifestyle choices as they pertain to our insides is also going to be healthy and make a positive impact on our outsides, which includes our skin. That's right. Exactly. Okay, great. All right. So I'm going to move us along then to talk a little bit more about some preventative measures as we age. We're both in our 40s and I have a lot of friends who ask me about what products do I use or what do I recommend? And I can tell you that even with Parker, as he's aged and his skin has changed over the years, he has finally given in and accepted that even as a man, he should probably be using some skincare products. And I would say over the last couple of years, he has made a huge change also in his sun exposure, but in some of the products that he uses as well. And he has seen a big difference in the way his skin looks and feels and how it's aged. So we all know the aging process is inevitable, but there are things that we can do to help mitigate its effects and keep our skin looking strong and healthy and vibrant as we get older. We talked about sun damage ad nauseum now, and I think we all get the point that is probably the number one thing that we can do. But talk to me a little bit about some of the other things that we hear about, treatments or procedures. I know there's a lot of talk about retinoids as a topical application, but then people do things like microdermabrasion or laser resurfacing and Botox and fillers and all kinds of things. So I'll let you start wherever you want on those but maybe even if there's a specific product, like if you could pick your number one thing, what would your number one recommendation be? Definitely eating a balanced diet filled with antioxidants, drinking a lot of water, getting enough sleep, wearing sunscreen every day, all that good stuff that will contribute to healthy looking skin. 
if you wanted to add on a product specifically to help maybe fade some dark spots, soften some fine lines, that would be adding on a retinoid or retinol at night before bed. Retinoids are derived from vitamin A and cause faster cell turnover and boost collagen, which improves skin tone and reduces fine lines and wrinkles. It can be irritating and drying at first. You always want to start off with something like that just one or two nights a week and work your way up as your skin gets used to it. And also something to remember is that retinoids will make your skin more sensitive to the sun. So that would be another reason to continue wearing your sunscreen during the day. Then based on your age or specific skin concerns or skin conditions you may have, you may consider adding additional treatments like chemical peels, laser resurfacing. These can treat skin texture and discoloration. Botox, which treats wrinkles, especially on the top part of the face, like the forehead and around the eyes. Fillers, which improve volume and generally treat wrinkles on the lower part of the face. The last thing I'll add is that I do recommend having a discussion with a dermatologist to understand the benefits, risks, and potential outcomes of any of these treatment and procedures and really finding something that's going to work best for your skin and your needs. Yes, that's great advice. And certain products, however, may actually flare or worsen certain skin conditions. Before starting anything, it can be helpful to get that advice, what to expect, would this be good for your skin type? That's a great point. So we'll wrap it up here. I want to be respectful of your time. One just basic question. What's the recommended frequency of a general skin health check? At what age should somebody start seeing a dermatologist or having a full body skin check? And then how often are those indicated? Understanding that, of course, if you find something worrisome on a patient, they're going to have different recommendations to come back more frequently. But let's just say, let's say you're 25 years old and nobody's ever looked at your skin or you have a college-aged child and you're listening to this podcast and you say, I've never taken my kid to the dermatologist, when should I start recommending that they do that? That's a great question. And the answer really is that it depends. So there's a few things that it depends upon. One being your personal medical history and risk factors, you know, like we were talking about certain behaviors that you may have done in the past also family history. So those things would be important. How many moles you have on your body? Some people have over 100 moles on their skin. While there's not a specific age to start skin screenings, I always recommend seeing a dermatologist. You can always get a baseline exam. And then based on those factors, personal medical history, family history, risk factors, you can get their recommendation for which cadence you should be following up routine skin check. Okay, great. Thank you. This has been enlightening. I'll use that sort of pun intended. I've learned a lot just from this conversation with you, but learned a ton from you over the years and envying your beautiful skin. Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or advice for our listeners? Just to summarize what we talked about, maintaining good, healthy life choices will help with your skin. If you can add on that sun protection, that daily sunscreen, that will really help your overall skin health. 
And then if you do see anything on your skin that you're worried about that's new, growing, or changing, please see a dermatologist to seek further evaluation and treatment recommendations. And at that point as well, you can talk to your dermatologist about what would be recommended for routine skin checks. Perfect. I think that's a great final summary statement. One of our core elements at LIW is really having a deeper self-awareness. And I think as it pertains to our skin health, part of that is not ignoring things that pop up or look different, as you mentioned. So I encourage people, look at yourself. You've got to look at your skin, get out a mirror, look in all your nooks and crannies and see what is baseline for you. That way you'll know and you'll be aware when something is abnormal for you or something is changing or growing or looks different. But wow, okay, that was a lot about skin. Wow, I don't think I've ever talked to one person so much about skin, but I'm sure you do this every day of your life and this is something that lights you up. It's been a great conversation, really helpful for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. We focused a lot on aging today in our conversations and I'd love to have you back for another episode sometime where we could talk about any number of other dermatologic concerns or conditions. Thanks again for being on the podcast today. It's been great to see you. And thank you so much for your expertise and knowledge and helpful tips and advice. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun talking to you too. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Thank you again to today's guest and thank you to our listeners for your time and your energy. We always welcome your questions, comments, and feedback at info at lastingimpactwellness.com. Follow us on social media at Lasting Impact Wellness and visit us on the web at lastingimpactwellness.com to learn more about our offers and programs for individuals and organizations. That's all for today. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, follow, rate, and review, and share with others. Thanks again. Let's be well together.